What is up, everybody? Welcome to part B of Saving New York Gyms. For those of you that liked yesterday, this one will probably be a little more intense. I don't know why. I just feel it in my blood. Maybe because it's Sunday. So first, let's get everyone on in here. We're going to do a quick little round robin. And today, we're hopping right into the meat and potatoes, like everyone always says. I don't know why meat and potatoes, but that's what we're going with. So let's get everyone on in here. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. We're going to do a quick little round robin of intros. We're going to start with you, Rudy, then work our way around. So just tell us the name of your gym, where you're from, real quick. Go for it, buddy. Orange Theory Fitness, franchisee. I got three of them, two in Staten Island, one in Westchester. I'm from uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, but live in New Jersey. Um, Miguel awesome. Aguante, awesome. Miguel Aguande, Absolute Power Gym in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Uh, just one gym. It's a uh, you know full center, uh, strength training, cardio. Um, been there for close to four years now. The gym itself has been there for 20 years. Um, also from Brooklyn. Wow, a lot of people from Brooklyn. All right, Michael, go for it. All right, I'm not from Brooklyn. Mike Evans uh, from Long Island. Uh, my business is in Patchogue, New York. I have 4GK Martial Arts and Skills of Patchogue, which is a child development center that be, fell under the gym definition because of the type of floor we have. That's fun. Who knew flooring made you a gym? <laughs> Mom, go for it. Where are you from, buddy? Hey guys, uh, my name is Mong Fu. I'm in upstate New York. Uh, the town I'm in is right between Rochester and Syracuse. I run Fusion Mixed Martial Art, which is an MMA gym. Uh, population in my town is less than 3,000. Wow. <laughs> and I got to say one thing just for everyone watching this quick sidebar. Mong is that awesome, amazing person who did all these graphics for us. So I can't thank, thank him enough. And they look awesome. And I hope all of you guys agree. Amazing. <laughs> so we're going to jump right into it. Like I said, meat and potatoes. That's what we're all about today, guys. We're not beating around the bush and all that fun stuff. I think everyone kind of knows at this point that we're all people. We all have stories how we're hurting. I don't think there's one successful gym owner in the state of New York. So we could pretty much clarify that. I've, we've seen stories of people that file bankruptcy. They're expecting 60% of small businesses going out. The fitness industry will probably be more than that in the state of New York. And it's a pretty heart-wrenching time. So, Rudy, we're going to start right with you. I just right. want a little brief of how you think we should make gyms essential. What would you do? You know, making gyms essential, I don't think it has anything to do with what we would do. We all know that the science behind um, COVID is, you know, obesity is, is, is a major factor in how this disease attacks the human body. Um, I think we all could say as gym owners, we've had customers reach out to us and say, man, if it wasn't for your gym, I, I, I contracted COVID even early as early as March. Um, if I wasn't working out, I think this disease would have, would have possibly taken me or I would have had long-term side effects. But luckily, what you guys do with your, at your facilities, you know, I was able to weather the storm a lot better than most people that I know that had contracted COVID. 
So you hear stories like this all day. Um, we can't make gyms essential. It's up to our government, and it's impossible to have our government make gyms essential. In my in my personal opinion, when all the government wants to do is, when you're listening to Biden, when you're listening to Cuomo, when you're listening to De Blasio and, and the likes of them, that you know, Jim's the the evildoer. We're the spreader. When we all know very well that we are far from that. Yeah, I think it's a perception at this point, and that's what we're starting to see left and right. People not perceiving. But I'm going to turn that question right over to Miguel. So it is about perception. We're seeing that people, some people think gyms are super spreaders. And it doesn't matter how many times we can say it. How can we go and prove that, you know, maybe there are some cases here and there, but it's not the main reason COVID spreading around. So how can we help ourselves as an industry in a non-political point? Uh, well, the first thing I want to say is I think that the whole situation, as, as we all know, was, uh, and the whole decision on, on the closing was based on fear and lack of knowledge. Uh, they don't, they don't want to, to me, they don't want to own up to that, Anthony, you know, um, going further. I mean, uh, I've seen outdoor places, restaurants, you know, with people walking in 10, 15 people with masks on and they sit in a table they're all eating from the same guac. They're all eating from the same chicken fingers. And it, you can't you can't just say that that's essential and I'm not because it's a source of, of, of because they're going to eat. It's a source of food. You know, we're in the business of health and wellness, of taking care of yourself. Obviously, everybody knows what that does for you, for your well-being, for, your, for just in general, for your life. You know, um, it, for you to be able to just say, you know, just pick one side of the industry and say that's okay and, and not look at us, which if any industry is the one that battles sickness and disease, it's, it's just, it's, it's horrible. That's my opinion on it. It's, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get into politics with it because I don't think it should be. I think it's, I think it's to me, I think it's pretty self-explanatory that what health and wellness does to any individual, you know what I mean? And that's how I feel. Mike, I'm going to skip you because I have a separate question. I'm going to go right to Mung. Uh, Mung, I got a question for you. I want to relate what I was talking to Miguel about. I want specifics. What are What are gyms in the fitness industry willing to do to bring Governor Cuomo to the table and say, Hey, work with me. If you were in charge and you got to sit with him for 20 seconds, you know his opinions, you know where it's coming from. You know people who he's got a 61% approval rating. So more than half of New York agrees with him. It's an understanding of what can we say? Hey, we want to help ourselves. We want to feed our families. How can we help ourselves? What can we do to help persuade him to come in our direction? What can we do? Well, I would use everything he says and throw it back right at him. He keeps on talking about the data and the science and the data and the science doesn't back up what he says. You know what I mean? It, I mean, it, all the people go out to the gym or healthy people, people want to stay in shape. They want to uh, be proactive with their health. Okay. All the people who are having COVID death 
or in the nursing home or have really high morbidity. So it's just really weird to have a blanket, um, you know, ruling across the board. And you need to think very holistically, not just like, he keeps on using buzzword like saving life, but there's other issues at play. There's the uh, economy, there's a way to support our family. And there's also people who need to work out, especially if you live, thank goodness I don't live in a big city, but imagine you live in a big city. You're basically getting in your car and from there getting into a small building after working back in your car and then going back to your little small house, you need an outlet. You need a physical outlet. When, when he, te he uses buzzwords and these buzzwords are not backed by science and data. You know what I mean? We don't question his buzzword. We don't question his data and science. You know what I mean? And for us to take his statement at a, at a face values is as uncalled for. And that's the thing that I have a problem with. You know what I mean? We need to question what he's saying. That, that's just my personal opinion. So. I mean, Thank we've you. questioned I, I his opinion. That. What? We've questioned his opinion. We've 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 been down that road. You know, I'm part of a pretty large organization. I don't want to say a large organization, but you know, we are a franchise, and and we have some money behind us, and we have lobbying groups. Our our attorneys and our lobbying groups have sat down with Cuomo. Team. We've used all the logic. We've shown them social distancing. How. Orange Theory is able to keep everybody socially distant at all times. There's no science. There's no nothing that makes sense to that guy. He does not care. There's a bigger current underneath there that, you know, I don't think any of us understand what his motivations are. So is there, like, I'm going to go directly off what Charlie wrote on here as well. What would you do to make him change his mind? What could we do to change his mind? Well, I'm, I've been, this is something I, I really think it's important to stress, which is why I keep bringing it up is if you're, it's, he's a Democrat and Democrats want to sit down, regardless of your political opinion, we got to bring something to him to show that we're willing to work with him. It's a give and take. I think the color red's better. You think the color yellow is better. Why don't we meet in the middle and meet at orange kind of deal? That's how you're going to create compromise. That's how you're going to create change. It's cons it's a everything's a give and take in life. I actually You know, we went through this a little bit with the massage industry. What uh, I'm also you a do? massage therapist. <laughs> um, so when the massage and it's been a long time. <laughs> you, know, you know, when we went through this with the massage therapy industry, going from being unregulated massage yank and crank, you know to something that is actually therapeutic, recognized in most cases as essential, though they closed us down during COVID. Uh, a lot of it was that it was exactly what we're doing now with the fitness industry where somebody stepped up and said, well, we need to be regulated, but we would rather take charge and present you with a set of guidelines and regulations that actually fit what we do instead of waiting for the politicians to think it's an important thing to talk about and then we certainly don't want them in charge of defining us because they don't have that inside view. So for massage therapy, it was we mandated a certain amount of schooling. We mandated a certain amount of uh, continuing education. We mandated certain ethical protocols. And that was the thing that allowed them to put us under the uh, Department of Professions so that we could be regulated, but in the way that we wanted. That is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's you you nailed that one right on the head. It's 
bring something easy. to the table? What can we bring to the table to say, hey, this is this is where we're going? Rudy, you got one for me there, buddy? What would you yeah, bring I mean, to the table? You know, here's the beauty of it. Uh, we've been open for some time now. We have data. We have proof that, you know, we haven't spread uh, COVID. We're not, we're not part of the problem. We're part of the solution. Let's use the science of the state of New York now, now that we've been open for some time. And let's, let's talk about how we make us essential and how we bring health to you. I mean, and I love what, you know, when it comes to being able to define how we're regulated, similar to what the massage industry is. Um, but once again, you can't reg you can't create those regulations in the middle of a of a pandemic. I think it it's scary because they're only worried about X and they're not looking to define us as a profession. They're just looking how to regulate us at this point. That's interesting. So that's a different view. I like it's definitely different. So you're saying that we should do it. It's just not right to bring it up during the pandemic, but Post-pandemic, it's something that should be looked into and changed because then it's not all about corona. It's about how to regulate the industry, correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're looking at an industry, you know, one of my biggest challenges is I, I own our gyms that we have is we require every single one of our trainers to be nationally certified. Um, and one of our arguments is like, I wouldn't let an electrician or a plumber without a license into my house to do electrical or plumbing work. Why should I let somebody without uh, a national certification put their hands on my body without not knowing if they're, they even know what they're doing? Um, that whole entire, yo, bro, I look good um, <laughs> mentality. So I should be a trainer. That's got to go where we're, we've evolved past that. So let's talk about that. I'm, I'm going to bring that question right to you, Miguel. Just specifically, trainer certifications. How should we regulate mm -hmm. trainer certifications? Should there be a regulation? Should we just stick to the nationally certified one? Should there be any kind of control moving forward with this? Specifically, talk about personal training certs and what you think of that specific. Go for it. I, I think I think they definitely need to be uh, regulated. I think the, I think the certs are good, but I think the certs are. are I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, I have, I have trainers. I think some of them, you know, I, I have trainers come in my gym with certifications I've never heard of, Anthony, you know. Um, <laughs> it's got to be, I mean, I look for NASM, I look for ACE, you know, I look for, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, my background checking is, is very strong with who I have. Do I think they need, yes, 100%. I think um, there's got to be a bigger, uh, uh, in, through the schooling that, that is involved with these certs that are given from NASM to ACE to Africa, to AFA, um, something's got to be done where there's got to be a, a thicker, uh, how do I say it, a, a thicker way of um, of, of having the, the trainer itself, the individual itself be more, um, I can't get the word I'm looking for, Anthony, but you know what I mean? Like, qualified. Uh, it, it, qualified, besides, professional. Not just yet, yeah, right. Not just qualified in general, but just because you have a NASM, but there's got to be more, more to it. I, I feel like anybody can get a cert nowadays. You know, well, yeah. getting the sort of step one, the business yeah. owners developing developing them into what your business needs are is is, is a totally 
that's up to the business yeah, you're owners, right. right? Right, you're right, you're right, 100%. E- even on my end, and I'm I'm pretty fresh when it comes to that. Um, You know, I have some trainers, you know, I, I don't hire without any sort of uh, experience, Um, you know, uh, and I, I look for the, 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 the right qualified certifications, for sure, you know. Um, Yeah, so yeah, well, Mung, I want to get Mung in here on this one to talk about sure. the personal training certs that they're both talking about. We're, we're saying one universal. Do you think we should come up with our own certification through this coalition where it's the same thing for everyone across the board? Or do you think we should grandfather okay, so certain I, certs in? Because I can tell you right now in the state of New York, you don't even need a cert to be a personal trainer. And that scares me. <laughs> I, want, I, I, want, I want to back sure, up a little for bit. It. The, the more regulations we have, it's actually worse for any business, right? Because now you're allowing the government to come in. This, the government's not asking for more regulations. The government is just across the board, just shutting down fitness facility. And we are basically handing over more power to them. And we're making a big mistake. I think we need to look for linchpin or uh, kinks in the armor. That's how we're gonna be able to negotiate. Right now, we're actually doing a disservice for ourselves by basically giving up a lot of our own negotiation power by asking, by telling us, by telling the government that we're willing to give up all these things. And then all they have to do is say, yeah, yeah, do all these things that come back to me six months from now when you have a regulating body or when you have this, when you have that. I think that's a completely wrong approach. I think we need to approach it in a very business systematical manner. I think we need to approach it in a very, uh, a way that, that, that forces Como to understand what he's doing right now. For example, I don't know what the latest status, but a lot of people are leaving New York City. I mean, a huge uh, upper middle class are leaving. A lot of people are leaving New York State. It's going to keep on going. He talks. He talks about how uh, he wants people to stay because it's hurting his bottom line. You know, this cannot go on. So, I appreciate what everyone's talking about, but I feel that's the wrong approach. I feel like uh, when you go to the negotiating table, we are already going in in a weaker hand, you know what I mean? And I, I apologize if I'm, because I just like to backtrack yeah, Mung, I, about five minutes ago. I love what you're saying, man. I, I totally agree. We should not open ourselves up to negotiations for regulation. We need to open up negotiations for no deregulating us, allowing us to open up 100%, allowing yeah. us to have yes. masks as an option for us or not. Um, we yes. are adults. We should be able to make those decisions internally. Um, and you know what? The mass population, they could decide, hey, if I want to expose myself to COVID, I understand the risks. I can go outside and catch COVID anywhere. If I want to catch it at the gym, let me catch it at the gym if I don't want to wear a mask. If I want to wear a mask, I can wear a mask and not catch it. I get it. I, I, I agree 100%. I totally agree. You, you know, yeah. Sorry, I just want to... The question of regulation even goes beyond just COVID, though. You know, as you look at every other industry that I've been in that that has gone through certification. So we had the massage therapy. We're actually going through it with kids martial arts right now. I'm actually working on creating the certification with our parent company. It's not about regulating me now in masks. That's a given we're in a pandemic. Um, For us, it's about raising the bar overall. So like you said, in New York, I mean, I'm not really in the gym industry um, other than by definition. But I know in New York, nobody needs a license to open a kids martial arts school. And I see people actually causing more damage than good because I have the education based on the certifications we're putting together to be able to recognize that. 
So I, I think as we look at regulation, we should focus less on, you know, like you mentioned, Rudy, in the beginning, don't regulate us in the middle of a, of a pandemic. That's not fair to judge me on my worst. Um, I, I would say, though, looking forward, it's important for us to raise our value and to say, not everybody can do this. Only the best can do this. And I expect to be one of those best. So it works unfairly for me, I guess. But specifically, yeah. Michael, I wanted to talk about kids' martial arts because that was it's something that makes you different than everyone else here. I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, teaching a martial arts studio with kids, you didn't need any kind of special cert. What is, what's the liability like on that? What's Let's, God forbid, a kid gets hurt, you're going to court, and you say, oh, by the way, judge, I don't have a cert. I have no insurance. That's a scary thought. It is. And, you know, even worse than that, you get into without regulation and background checks and, you know, people who are not running a professional. And I'm not saying this is everybody. You know, I think these days there are a lot more people who are running professionally, cert or not. Um, but, you know, looking into background checks and who's a pedophile or who's got, you know, criminal backgrounds. We don't do any of that unless it's a an individual business. And it does really open us up to when we have to go have those conversations. It's, did I think of everything? Did I cover all my bases versus being able to say, here's the regulations. Here's what I set forth. Um, and then same thing from you know a business perspective. How does a prospective customer come in and say, well, this school's cheaper? Well, yeah, because that guy trained for one day in his life and he figured out that he can sell the uniforms or whatever. Um, you know, I know what level of training for teaching I went through, not just for martial arts, um, but not everybody has that. So I, I would love to see you know, that aspect come in as well. I think Anthony, can a, I, yeah, go for it. I just, you know, with, uh, with the kids, you know, with his program, I don't, I'm not too, obviously, it's, it's not my... Um, my side of the, of the business, you know, um, and I, you know, I understand, but it's, it's, it's sort of like anything. It's, it's the same thing in the health and wellness industry. You got guys who post, Hey, come work out with me in the park on social media. And, uh, and people are just going to go down. You know what I mean? You don't know if these guys are certified or not. You know, I see it all the time on Instagram, you know, Hey, uh, 10, 10 AM workout prospect park be there. And, you know, I like. I was thinking about the the booty programs they do on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about. I, I just sidebar on this because it blows my mind. Just to kind of prove a point, there was a famous fitness model. I'm not going to give names, obviously, but she sold and made hundreds of thousands of dollars off of the booty program she was selling. How she had a great butt. Well, she ended up in the ER about six months ago because her butt muscle exploded from putting in too many steroids. Yeah. yeah. So. This is the shit we're dealing with in our well, she industry. Went to I want people to know that. <laughs> yeah, but you're never going to get rid of name. that. But yeah. you'll never get rid of that. No, you, you won't. You won't. You're right. I mean, but, you know, eventually, you know, I, listen, I don't. I'm off. What they want Charlie, to do I said go, no names. <laughs> you know, have fun. I say, but, you know, as on the consumer side, you need to be a little more, you know, I, you know, maybe maybe some people are selling for $10 a session. Maybe some people are selling for $30 a session, you know. If you're, you know, then you're, you're going down to a park or whatever. You got somebody telling you how to squat a deadlift. Where are you taking the advice from? From where? You know what I mean? That's, that's not, you know, it's just, that's what it is. Right you, I, now. I, you know, that's. Yeah, I just. Go for a monk. You had a, a post on the I honestly think more regulation is the wrong answer. And I want to get back to 
the ch uh, children's martial art. You know, I've been in, in I've been doing martial art now for I don't know 25 almost 30 years. I trained professional amateur fighters in MMA, you know, and kickboxing. And I've seen people who are certified, and some of them are not worth the paper that's written on. You know, I mean, more <laughs> certification is not the answer. Well, certification think, is not regulation, though. Certification is yeah. a piece of paper. Yeah, but why, why do we yeah. need regulation? Okay, here's, I, would just, I just want to backtrack. Instead, we should do another approach where we, as an industry, educate the consumer and the consumer, because there's so much information out there, the consumer will right away know what's good, what's bad, rather than handcuffing oneself, okay? Like, like who, I, I, I don't like all the politics that goes on in the martial industry, you know, one body, all of a sudden stepping in and whispering ears to the government saying, I wanna be the regulating body, stuff like that. And this is not the right time to talk about it. I, you know, this whole thing was about COVID and now we're completely sidetracked. You know what I mean? Like, like in, in another six months, what's going on? Like I had to convert my gym to a bookstore. Like basically I sell books on Amazon and eBay. I have no interest in opening up my MMA gym because uh, you know, it, it, it robbed the joy out of my, you know, I train people to fight. It's very physical, it's very in your face. And I'm not interested in uh, wearing masks and do training from six feet apart. That's not what I do, you know what I mean? Now granted, there's other people who can run a fitness facility six feet apart and whatever. So I chose not to do that. So, I, you know what I mean? So I feel like, this is not the time to talk about, I honestly think it's a bad, bad uh, way to approach this. You know what I mean? Like just, um, it's, it's a bad business approach in the sense that we are handicapping ourselves. You know, we're going in with, with negative negotiating power. It, know, it, it, it does no. come to a point where I, I understand. I think this is, I think we're at a unanimous decision where now is not the time. And I think that's pretty apparent, but I'm trying to view this from, I'm coming in as Cuomo. I'm coming in as the state. And you know what? They're keeping us shut. The reason they're keeping us shut is because they don't have regulations over that. We're in a democratic state. If we were in Texas, this would be a totally different story. We wouldn't be having this conversation because we would have been open months ago and they would have just, so the fact is we got to pay to play. And I think that's what they're looking for is that pay to play ante up something to start a conversation to get that essential status. We want to become essential in New York, not just How do you... go for sorry. it. What? No, I'm whatever. So First of all, I don't see how we become essential uh, under this scenario right now. What we're living through this. I think it's a, it's a hard bargaining chip to convert us to essential. Um, and here's where you really, how can we pay to play when you're bleeding us dry at 33% with masks on? How can we even come to the table and, 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 and even have a, an arm to stand on when, you know, we sit here as a coalition, but every single day people are dropping out of this coalition because they have to close their doors. And, and they're, they're, they're now, maybe we should start a bankruptcy coalition at this point. You know, we are going to be bled, we're bleeding. There is no way that this industry can survive under this type of ruling. Uh, we need to open up. We need. I couldn't agree more. We need to open. We need to get 100% open. And we are looking at data. You want to look at data? Take a look at Connecticut. How many um, gyms have had COVID spread through the gym industry? 
and they've been open since the summer. They have no mask mandates, and they're and they're operating. Um, look at Florida; they got rid of social distancing with no masks. Yep. yep. You know why is it? This is the tale of two cities. You you look at. <laughs> And, and this is what we're living in. Why does it have to be the tale of two cities? We are the United States, not the tale of two states. Anthony, can, can I say something? Yeah, go for it, Miguel. So it's the same thing. Listen, it's obviously, obviously we need to get open now. Like it's, I, I'm open, but I, I, I'm open, but I'm, my business right now, after building it for four years, is now a brand new business. People every day come into my club and say, how are you guys doing here? And I say, it's, it's a brand new business. I'm lucky that I'm open. On the other side, that I got a lot of friends that can't open or are out of business already. You know, if you asked a question earlier about how would, if I had 20 seconds to say with the, this so-called governor and, and say to him, how can you let other businesses have even outdoor seating? I mentioned this before. How can you tell me that that's different from what is going on inside the gyms? I mean, I know it's indoors and I get that part, but people have masks on. Another People have masks on, they're not going to tables and sitting with 10 people. Did these people sit in that same table that sat in that table? Did they quarantine for two weeks before they went to this place to eat? I mean, I don't understand. Like, how could you distinguish it? You know why? Because one's outdoor and one isn't. I mean, it's it, it doesn't make sense to me. In Florida... They, you go to the station, which you're right. They, they did away with the social distancing, but you go to the station with your mask on and you take it off at the station. They're not even, the Board of Health doesn't even understand what it's doing right now because they're saying 33%. 33% of the people that come into my gym do not want to do cardio with a mask on, Anthony. They all want to go to the strength training side. So whether even if I had 90% occupancy, they're all going to go on the strength training side because nobody wants to run with a mask on. Nobody wants to get an elliptical to a mask on, a stairmaster, etc. And, and and it's 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 yeah. lack of knowledge. So, it's lack of knowledge on their end. There's two there's two questions that are apart. I think it's this is the biggest problem I've had explaining to people on both sides of the spectrum. I've talked to a lot of people about this from every walk of life. The the two questions are. One, do the executive orders make sense? That's an overall blanket. I think it's pretty unanimous decision, especially if you're a gym owner. They don't. I think that's pretty unanimous. Everyone here can agree. They're, they make absolutely no sense. It's like, why can you, like the second you stand up from the table, you're a COVID spreader. You're not in a state for 23 hours. You're good. 24 hours, you're screwed. That stuff doesn't make a sense. It's pretty arbitrary. I think that's, that's the main reason we're going after his executive power because it's arbitrary. But the second question, the reason we're closed, the, the reason, reason behind it is because Cuomo has control over other industries. Like you look at restaurants, he pulls their liquor licenses. You look at uh, massage therapists, you pull your license if you don't follow the mandates. You look at doctors and nurses, you pull their licenses. He has that control, which in his mind, um, that's what's hard for people. You get it from his perspective and from other people's perspective. His mind, he's saying, I can screw them over if they don't listen to me. And that's what people need to understand. And 
if we go to him and say, here's something you could have, let us 100% open, not 30%, not maybe mask or no mask, let us decide. But if we come and say, you have the power to strip our personal trainers from certifications, but you have to open us 100%. That's room to talk at a table. And I don't want to talk too much about the same question, but it's more about understanding there's two sides to every story. There's, And that's how you really have to look at it. And if I go to someone who has, uh, like, I, my family members tell me that uh, gyms don't deserve to be open. I've had that conversation with them because of these reasons. They're so convinced that gyms are super spreaders and that we won't follow the rules and that, you know, they're disgusting places. They don't know the cleaning protocols we put in. They don't know that we're taking the extra steps. They're not aware of any of this. So it's changing this? public opinion to show, and it's coming across with a new point. Yeah. If you look at this. You gave out some amazing advice the other day um, that I'm running with this week. You know, I do a lot of business coaching as well for our industry. And, you know, the, the advice you gave out was to go ask your members that did come back to do a video about why they did. Um, you know, that they're never going to believe us when we say it. You know, I've put out video after video about my cleaning and I've worked with Kevin to get the science out because I'm a science guy. But that's me talking about my business. Of course, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, getting that public um, to hear from the other public is going to be really powerful. And I really hope people follow through on, on that advice that you gave. That, that was worth thousands of dollars if it sells me one membership. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's what it all comes down to. It's, it's the fight for the membership. So let's kind of, that's a different question, Michael. And I'm kind of glad you brought that up, kind of changes up a little bit. So personally, what are you guys doing to help bring customers back in? And then what's the feedback you're getting off of that? So what are you doing right now to help Polk, to help ourselves? What kind of feedback are you getting? Real quick, we'll do a little round robin. Rudy, you're first. Go for it. I mean, there's a lot that we're doing. Our outreach is tremendous. Um, we're, we have a pretty large database. Um, we're doing personal outreach. We send out uh, videos of us cleaning. We send out testimonials. We'll send out uh, recommendations. And we're just making sure that we're in touch with our customer base that used to be part of our customer base, as well as reaching out to a whole new set of customer base. Um, I think what really has to be the focus, and so people don't forget, we need to be focused on new customer acquisition just as much as we're probably focused on the people that are no longer uh, comfortable coming in. Uh, the fear spreading has, there's been a, there's a huge fear onset to the customer base that we need to, uh, we need to address that by sending out testimonials. And what I've seen is keep your social media game as high as possible, right? Showing them other people in the room, showing them working out, showing them your cleaning, showing them testimonials, all of that has to be um, in their face every single day. And the more we put that in the face, the more every single day somebody's going to crawl out and say, ooh, what's going on? You know what? I'm ready to come outside and play with you guys. Or my gym has closed and I want to come and play with you guys in your sandbox. Um, so it's fighting that fight, not walking away from the fight. And I think it's also, I'm going to throw in two cents that has nothing to do with it, is we can't be closing down gyms if you could somehow stay alive. Remember, there's a moratorium put out by the governor. The one good thing that he has done for us is 
our landlords cannot kick us out right now. So even if you're not paying your rent, don't close your doors. Fight the fight. Keep going and just get the word out. Get the word out that, hey, it's safer in here than it is in your supermarket. Thank you. I appreciate that. Miguel, you want to add on to that? Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've established using the social media as best as I can to follow the safety protocols. You know, we, we, uh, we put a lot of stuff, we, uh, we, we blast stuff through social media on, um, on a, what do you call, uh, to let them know the peak hours of the gym. Um, you know, when people are, uh, when people, when we feel the volume is going to be at a tie, um, you still hear me, Anthony? Okay. Um, hold on one second. Ah. Go for it, buddy. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, peak hours, extended hours to make the gym, uh, you know, spread out the times of the gym. Um, the, the, the stuff we put in place with the cleaning, uh, you know, the cleaning that's been going on in there, the extra staff that I've had to put in the gym. Um, you know, I, I, I went above and beyond, Anthony. I, I don't think I could have done more than what I've done there. Uh, to keep the members and the ones that are scared, you know, I, I offer to freeze memberships and just let them, give them the option. When you feel you're comfortable and you're ready to come back, the gym is still here. You know, to let them know that I'm not billing them. You know, six months of not being open, Anthony crushed me. You know, it's it open it, it it crushed me. It uh it and but I always look to the positives. I'm still open. Some places can't say that, and and I'm I'm doing my best to build it again. That's where I'm at right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Michael, you want to add on to that? Yeah. So I mean, first let me just say that I'm very appreciative of being on here today. I know it was a last minute edition, and listening to you gentlemen is so motivating and inspiring to me, especially as we have different opinions and we're working our way through it. So, so thank you guys for that. For us, um, when we first reopened, it was a lot about educating using social media. You know, we're hardcore on social media um, about our cleaning protocols and making people feel, feel comfortable. These days we do it a little more subliminally. So as I'm showing um, what's going on in my school, I always make sure that like somebody's in the background of the picture cleaning kind of thing. Um, but we've really focused on changing the narrative from, oh my God, yes, it's safe. You're going to be okay. Masks. We've changed that to a conversation, especially dealing with kids and being a child development specialist of children are going through, and I'm sure adults are too. Uh, children are going through a lot of post-traumatic stress right now. This is a clinically defined event that, that, that of trauma in their lives. So the things that we're talking about a lot is not so much, yes, it's safe to come back, but more, you need to be here because your child needs this support. Here's why, here's the chemical basis, here's how we help. So we've gotten out of what's wrong with us and more into how we're gonna help them, which I guess should be a sound marketing practice anyway, as I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good idea. <laughs> I, I love that. Mung, you wanna add on to that? Yeah, um, I'm in a different boat than you guys. Um, my rent, my overhead at my gym, is, my gym is pretty big, it's the size of a grocery store, and I live in a small town, so I basically lost all my students. And um, six months ago, I pivoted, like I said earlier, and I really do not have any interest in reopening until everything gets settled. Um, I'm worried about another shutdown. I'm worried about um, people's mental psyche 
Um, so far, I have a few people ask me, hey, can I send my kids? And I'm saying, no, I'm sorry. It's, my gym is not open. Or can I do private lessons or whatever? And I kind of push them away. My, my goal is to make enough money to support my family, pay my mortgage, pay my car payment, and survive. And then when everything gets settled, I'm back at it again. Um, I do not want to do this half, you know, with my hands high. And I do not want to do this where my joy has been robbed for me. You know I mean? I, I do not want to train people six feet apart from someone, you know? And so I, I come from a yeah, different, you got martial scenario arts, different and I understand how other, it, exactly. And I know other gym owners have like four gyms. So this is your baby. You can't do anything else. You can't pivot. And thank goodness I was able to pivot. But for me, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting to hear the, the barometers of what everyone see. Like right now, out of my 30 students, none of them asked me, hey, can I come back or whatever? I mean, a few have, but it's not like half of them have. So everyone's so busy doing so many other things. You know, people are just trying to survive in my area. I live in a super small town. So I'm waiting to hear that, you know, that, that's, that feeling from everybody. And that's when I'm going to reopen. So it's a slightly different um, scenario than everyone else here. No, thank you. I uh, definitely different, and I, I appreciate the feedback on that. Uh, the next question we're gonna dive into is pretty much the main topic of this: is how can we save New York gyms, and more specifically, what can you guys do along with the United States Fitness Coalition to help band together to save each other? I think the biggest thing we can say is that if we don't stick together, we're single handedly going to be eliminated. So. One big group is bigger than everyone going individual, and that could be this true across the board. So talk about holidays coming up. You got Thanksgiving right around the corner, then Christmas. We all know what that's like in the fitness industry. So what do you think it's going to be different this year? Do you think there's a way to save New York gyms at this point? And what can the coalition do to help you guys? And what can you do to help the coalition? So Rudy, we'll go right back to you on that question and do another little round robin. Go for it. Sure. I mean, when you're talking about um, the holidays coming up, I think you're, you're going to see a lot less people traveling. So um, it, it just goes back to that whole mentality. We got to start selling, right? We got to be in their face and stay stay connected with with the people that you are, the people that are watching your social media. I think that's probably our 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 number one thing or however you communicate with the customer base uh, and potential customers, you gotta be actively out there selling. Um, I think that's the only way that we as a as an industry is gonna survive. We can't sit here and continue to fight the government. Um, I think that's a, that's a long, long battle that we cannot afford. Um, I think what we really need to do is just focus our, our efforts on selling health, which is what we all did very well, and built an industry that's unregulated on it. And we've done a great job doing that as a in New York and in every other 49 states. Focus on the health aspect, focus on and get back to that pre-sale mentality. We are back to rebuilding our businesses. Um, even at 33%, I know it's, you know, it's a bleed. Um, it's rough, but keep pushing and and the only thing that we could continue to prove is the data that, hey, we've done so many workouts and we've had no outbreaks or we've had an outbreak, but yet still, you know, we're still doing our part and we're doing more than anybody else. We're able to contact trace, we're cleaning, 
And we are going to do our best to keep everyone safe, but your health is not going to take a backseat every day that you're not focusing on your health. You're not, you're, you're losing the battle. Yeah, definitely. It comes important to make sure that as an industry, we need to really push health. I mean, the biggest killer in the United States is still cardiovascular disease, one in four people. So we want to flatten that curve. And that's something we've been trying to do for years is that's the fight. And if we can save lives, which is why we all do this, it's very important to make that understood and keep pushing forward on that. But Miguel, we're going to hop on to you, buddy, with the same kind of question. More specifically, though, what Rudy didn't really touch on is what can you do for the coalition? What can the coalition do for you? How can we help ourselves and unite as one group to push forward, survive the holidays, and see a better tomorrow? The, Your the word has to be spread out, out consistently, Anthony. Oh, there you go. Got it. Go. Same thing. All right. the The word has to be spread out consistently of the coalition. We have to we have to be aggressive. We have to be aggressive on passing you know uh, passing the word, having people sign the petition, uh, understanding that we're looking to become essential right now. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that. You know, every member in my gym right now is. We're asking them, please. We're giving them the. The logins, you know, the the website or uh, URL. Um, we're trying to ex expand it, as, you know, spread it as best as we can. You know, um, there's a lot of people in the in my gym that I tell them, you know, what do you, what is it about? Well, you know, we're trying to become essential. We want to be, you know, we were trying to keep safe so nobody can ever. We have to go through this six months of this again. And uh, some of these members didn't even know. They don't even know what essential. Some are like, what? What, what do you mean? You know, and. So you have to be very, very specific with them to make them understand what it is. And I think a lot of the people who come in the gym who say, oh, my God, I, I'm so glad you guys are open. Well, help me. Help me stay open. You know, just pass the word. Spread the word around. Spread the word around. That's that's the biggest thing. Like Charlie, you know, Charlie said it to me the other day on, on a chat, you know, just keep spreading the word, you know, um, pass it on as best as you can. You know, I. I I mean, I'm not going to get into the, the difference of why I, I'm not essential and why the liquor stores and McDonald's around the block for me are essential. I mean, we don't <laughs> need to get into that, Anthony, you know, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just but the main thing is just to explain the part of becoming essential and and make this spread like wildfire. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, Michael, I'm going to bounce off something you wrote on here. You're talking about the advertising. You think some individual did, but as an industry, we didn't have any consistency. Just to add on to that a little bit more, I agree. And I think that has a lot to do with the big push now on social media where all the marketing and advertisement paper stuff and doesn't really work as well. And we need to get online. And I think a lot of people in every industry don't really understand that, but it does come a lot with it. So Talk about a little bit what we can do to help what, during the holidays. Charlie's saying we're going to push videos and advertising about health and wellness. What can we do for the coalition? What the, can the coalition do for us? How can we help ourselves as a group and unite to really see a better tomorrow and save New York gyms from going out of business across the board? Sure. Great question. So, you know, as I look at marketing in general, um, you know, I look at it twofold. Uh, I'm a huge content marketer. I, I hire people to do my ads because they're far better at it than I am. Uh, but as far as the content marketing part, I, I'm a huge fan of educating my public. 
you know, uh, I'm a child development center. We use martial arts as the tool to help kids develop, but we're not really a martial arts school. And when we made that transition, it was a really hard sell from how do you go from an $80 a month martial arts school to a $400 a month child development center? So we had to go through a lot of education in our community. And I think that's also what we can do as the coalition, Charlie mentioned putting out ads and commercials. Those of us with other strengths like blogging or podcasts um, can also hear from that. The other prong of that attack is always, you know, what are we doing for ourselves? Um, COVID is not the way that I wanted this to happen, but it was an amazing opportunity for me to pivot my business and recreate myself. Uh, I, I see a lot of people you know, they get stuck on the masks. Well, I can't do cardio the way I want to do cardio if I have to wear a mask. So I'm not doing anything. I think it's really important for us as owners to um, look for mentorship and some mindset training. And I think that's something that maybe the coalition with all of us coming together, we can help each other out with is finding those ways that, well, if we can't do it this way right now, what can I do? What's going to be the new and unique thing that comes out of this? And I know we all have our passions, um, you know, about what we want to do. But as a business owner, you also have to feed the public's need. And, and being creative about that through some mentorship is really powerful as well. I, yeah, <laughs> uh, what you're saying this right now, my brain's going a mile a minute. You know, I think it's really safe to say that every single one of us here has our own strengths and weaknesses as far right. as running a business. There is definitely things I'm going to full out admit on air. I suck at doing. <laughs> well, I have an and, accountant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I pay an accountant. <laughs> my P&L sheets, looking at numbers, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to pretend it is. So it's something important to think about and understand. But maybe, which kind of, Michael, exactly what you're saying if we came together and said, you know what, I'm good at this. You're good at this. Why don't we run seminars where I'll come on and I'll talk about social media marketing and do a free class for all of us, which I'm willing to do because I think it's safe to say none of us want to see any of us go out of business. And then let's say somebody else wants to come on and say, you know what, numbers are my game. Let me do a, a lecture about how to pivot your numbers to help save you guys some money. And then Mung wants to come on and he wants to say, you know what? Uh, graphic design is my cup of tea. Let me come up with something to help help you guys get better graphics because mine suck. So him doing it is night and day difference. But it's stuff, if we did that as one, if we put all of our strengths and best foot forward, it blinds out our weaknesses. And I really think that's the way to move forward and help save each other. Mung, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I want to just, um, so I'm not, I mean, I am familiar, but not super familiar with that coalition. Um, I apologize, but I'm not, I think there's a website, but what if the website has like, I wouldn't say a bartering system, but a system where people deposit their, their strength, like, you know, like that fly, that, that thing I designed for you. I look at so many graphic, uh, I look at so many gym owners and you know my English is not very good, but my sensitivity oh, to amazing. visual aesthetic is very acute. <laughs> and I look at it, yeah. And I look at it, and I see so many problems, and I don't want to say anything. But what if I design a poster or something where all the gym owners can use, you know, just for free in exchange, somebody else can give me something, you know what I mean? Uh, and 
like I think all of us are a lot of different strength. Like I'm not an accountant. I hate numbers. I hate looking at numbers. And I, I, I think uh, Mike, I think was on the right track about mentorship and stuff like that, where if we could just leverage each other's strength and just give freely, you know, I mean, pay it forward. Cause this is a really, this is a crunch time right now. And I think a lot of us are in survival mode right now. And if we can somehow just help each other, uh, like, like I'll extend this forward, you know, um, I, I, I used to work in the fashion industry as an art director, graphic designer, fashion designer. So my visual aesthetics very acute. And so I'm willing to help someone out and design a poster and provide that poster to get used across the board, across the whole industry for free. You know, and I'll design a spot where it's for like it's an empty spot, white space, and you can just slap on your logo and your verbiage or whatever. You know, what if we have something like that? What if we have like musicians, like 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 people who play music, they can upload uh, commercial free or copyright free music, so you can put it in your intro and stuff like that. You know, what I mean, so that we minimize our cost and we save time and we just go forward as an industry. You know, like pay it forward. That's just if we can have something like that, that'll be I great. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only uh, I like being devil's advocate. It's kind of my favorite thing in the world. The only downside of any of this is some people are going to be putting in a lot, some people are going to be putting in nothing. Nothing. But I think it's, it's safe to say project. I'm willing still to do it regardless of people put in nothing because I don't want to see another freaking gym owner go back cuz that makes me not sleep at night and I want to sleep at night and I want to help all you guys. So I'm willing to do anything for free, even if no one else does anything. And I think this is how Charlie feels. And Charlie, I apologize, but hey, Anthony, <laughs> do a lot I, and no one else does anything. Go for it. Can I weigh in on one thing? You know sure. what, I, what I think uh, the state of New York has done very well. And when I say the state of New York, I think Cuomo is really scared the, the people really quickly. Um, and, and there's fear in everybody's minds about COVID and, and the gyms. And that correlation really exists very strongly. Um, one thing that I've noticed is we're a group of about 5,000 gyms. I have to imagine that within our 5,000 gyms, we train influencers, professionals, uh, you know, Mong said he's trained professional MMA fighters. I'm pretty sure we've trained some some very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? People that have a huge following on social media. Affluential. I, or influential. Affluential people. I think it's I, influential. All of that. I think it's time that we use our resources and we got to use them quickly. Um, Mung, I love the idea of paying it forward, but I think we need to pivot fast. We need to move quickly. And I think us as gym owners, it's time to start using our resources and asking our members, hey, if you could do this for me, it would be greatly appreciated. Or, hey, you know what? I'll give you a free gym membership. If, get the word out that COVID and gyms are not related. You've been working out for this many months or you've done so many workouts and you haven't caught COVID. We got to get the people that are scared out of their homes to come play with us in our sandbox. Um, and we got to use the resources that are available to us right now. And marketing is, you know, a huge thing and breaking away from the fear. So if there's anything that I could ask of the coalition is, hey, let's use our resources to start spreading that, hey, health and wellness, 
fitness industry is not the devil. Let's get out and let's start using our influencers um, everywhere where we can and start changing the message. We need to change the message. Cuomo cannot be our message. He is not our mouthpiece. We need to move away from him. Yeah, I mean, this is a great point. It's something I've been doing. I just want to give a little shout out. Bucks County Bites is a podcast. I was on there yesterday. She published it today. I shared it in the group. I spent the whole entire time, instead of talking about what I do, I spoke about all about the New York Fitness Coalition and our fight against Governor Cuomo. This is something I've been doing. My cup of tea, podcasting. So what am I doing? I'm getting on every single freaking podcast I can to spread our word, to help get the message out. And yeah. if more people did stuff like that, then we could change the world. And Charlie, I'm going to counter argue there, buddy. There's 10,000 gym owners and only 500 have come on board with taking claim and only 900 have donated and help. I'm going to reiterate a point where the silent majority exists in every single position. There's people that are afraid to talk about the political opinion because they get patronized by others. The American Revolution, I'm going to use that as an example so I don't have to talk about current politics. A lot of people thought we should split from England. A lot more people thought we shouldn't split. And very few people, the ones that thought we should split, took action. And those that took action used their resources to help change the United States and form it as we know it today. So if we only if we get the 500 on board, if that's 500 more resources or 499 more than we didn't have. So if I took 499 people, that's great because right now it's just me. So it's something interesting to talk about. But I want to get to the last question. I want to wrap this up, guys. Last one, the one I ask every single person on here, is the cure worse than the disease? Let's do a round robin in this. I'm going to do reverse. So Mung, is the cure worse than the disease? What do you think, buddy? I definitely think so. I think there's an overemphasis on trying to put a lid on this. When you look at the original message, he talks about flattening the curve. We have flattened the curve. He talked about uh, keeping it from overwhelming the health system. The, over, the health system is not overwhelmed. Right now, he is basically controlling almost every aspect of our life. You know what I mean? It's, it's not fair. So... Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. Miguel keeps going in and out. So, Michael, we're going to go to you. Sure. So, you know, in all honesty and transparency, when this all first happened, I was actually on the other side of the argument. And I was for more um, restriction up front uh, with, with the idea being that if instead of making a bunch of suggestions, we actually hopped in and locked it down hard based on what we had, it probably would have gone away much quicker. Now looking long term and, and you know seeing what I see in the kids as far as um, you know their their regression developmentally and emotionally, uh, we're getting to the point where the cure sure is worse than the disease. Not to minimize the impact. I mean, I've had COVID in the family. So I don't want anybody also thinking that like I'm not taking it seriously. But as we look long term, we have to start looking at living, not just being alive. I, I think that's a good point and. Even though I've made this very public, I believe to an extent things were never shut down. I don't, but I also didn't disagree that we were shut down. 
I think it was a 50-50 coin flip in my eyes, whether you closed, didn't close, because we got hit hard by something we knew absolutely nothing about. But at the flip side of it, we now know well about COVID. So that's what I always say. It's important to understand, hey, we know what it does. We know how to stop it to an extent. There have been a lot more cases, Charlie, but the mortality rate has shrunk every single day. More and more people are surviving from this disease than ever before. We are at a 99.97 survival rate, which is way better than we were out in March and April, which is something important to think about. So yes, more cases, but more people are surviving. So flip side on either one. That's why this conversation go either way. And that's why it depends on who you talk to. But Rudy, is the cure worse than the disease? Go for it, buddy. I mean, we all know the answer. The cure can't be uh, shutting us all down. And the disease, just like you said it, you know, less people are dying from it. Uh, and every day that we're living with COVID, um, we're learning more about the disease. So there are going to be better approaches on how to cure it. And initially, hey, the shutdowns did make sense. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, today, I don't think they make sense. I think, you know, um, there's a lot of effects of this. And it's not just on our industry. It's just on humanity. Um, the fear spreading. Um, what it's doing to our kids. This cannot be the way of life for the next couple of years. And if you look at it, hey, there's still cases of measles. There's still cases of chicken pox. And guess what? We still have the flu and COVID's not going anywhere. So we're going to have to learn how to live with it. We're going to learn how to operate our businesses without mandates, without executive orders, and just trust that, hey, we are, we are educated on it. We as humans are making our decisions. Um, we as individuals need to be able to take our own risks that we deem that are necessary for our lives to the way that we want to live it. We cannot live under mandates. So that's my answer to it. I appreciate that. And thank you guys all for coming on. And thank you to our audience for joining us for part B of Saving New York Gyms. I am trying to get a promo Esther going up. If I can get it, I'll make that announcement. But it's going to be unreal if we can add this to the show. But anyways, that concludes our three-part series of Is the Cure Worse Than Disease? Thank you, everyone, who came on all three of them. I know we had a lot of guest speakers. We dove into special needs. We dove into being a landlord in other industries. We dove into saving New York gyms. I really appreciate everyone coming on. I appreciate everyone's opinion. And obviously, this is a very hard topic to talk about. So thank you guys for coming on today. Until next time. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Charlie, for playing For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way. And through fitness, you can do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. We understand this because we live it. And for us, that's the redefined difference.